electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. It's Jim Cramer here. You're listening to the opening bell of CNBC's Squawk on the Street. Don't miss a minute of the action. Good Monday morning. Welcome to Squawk on the Street. I'm Carl Quintanilla with Jim Cramer, David Faber, coming to you live from separate locations. It is a holiday-shortened week. Uh, Futures are solid as the market weighs new COVID records over the weekend in Florida, Nevada, Georgia, along with Powell Mnuchin on the Hill tomorrow. Jobs number on Thursday. Oil's near 39, uh, 10 years, 63 basis points. Uh, but, Jim, we're going to see if we can get back above that 200-day that we, we violated on Friday. Yeah, I've got to tell you that, once again, what causes the decline? It's always the banks. Why the banks? Because we can't value them. Uh, we can't value them because we don't know what their future loan losses are going to be. Uh, I think that the Fed's uh, chilling statements uh, made for a, 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 a tremendous confusion because, remember, we've been skating. Uh, everybody's been saying, well, what the hell is the mar- how can the market be almost at its high? And the answer is because we don't really have any data, uh, no real reports that contradict that. I didn't like the Nike quarter, but people have already apologized for that. But it is the banks. Uh, and once again, when I think of the banks, there's an article today about credit cards and how people aren't t- uh, taking the big credit cards with the four dollars $500 fees. David, the credit side continues to elude the buyers. Yeah. And, and Jim, that's going to be really interesting to see when we start to get the earnings, what, where the focus of investors is. Because after the close today, we get Jefferies. Investment banking, not overly large. But what will be interesting, Jim, is I'm sure we're going to see extraordinarily strong returns and in fixed income. We know that, right? I mean, my yeah. God, look at the capital markets activity. We talk about it all the time. And in equities. And so for the likes of Morgan Stanley or Goldman Sachs or J.P. Morgan, you could expect similar types of numbers. Let's see what they're going to be. But numbers are going to be quite strong. But will it be overmatched by reserve increases and, to your point, concerns overall about declining credit quality? Yeah, I thought it was amazing that the brokerage firms, so to speak, were treated the same, same as, uh, as the banks because the brokerage firms are going to have such big numbers in fixed income and equity trading. But it doesn't matter. And I think what happens is, is that people start ascribing worries to the Fed. They start saying, well, wait a second. Maybe the Fed has uh, seen something that we haven't seen. You do have their earnings coming up. And I think what happens is people just say, you know what, the futures, they go down. Uh, the, the kind of the new things, I know Carl was alluding to them in my Twitter file, the new stocks that, that rally. Uh, that have nothing to do with the fundamentals uh, make you feel like that it's become speculative at the same time that the actual bedrock fundamental stocks that we have to worry most about the banks might have to cut their dividends in there. I think we're speaking of Wells Fargo. So it, it makes it hard. You can, Of course you can bounce back. I, I was listening to I mean, Look, I, I happen to think that when I look at and listen to the people who talk about Texas and talk about Arizona, they uh, those states benefited from what's happened in the Northeast. That's what a- Andrew Ross Sorkin said this morning. Uh, and, and so everybody's find, find some reason to just say play on. And, Carl, the, the play on trade may be long in the tooth. 
Yeah, which sort of makes you wonder, Jim. I mean, the surge that we're seeing in some of these states is at least going to be with us for the next several weeks as uh, the, the ripple effects of those new cases goes into hospitals and hopefully not deaths, but maybe deaths. Is that going to put a cloud over the corporate commentary that we hoped we were going to get for Q2? I think it has to. Uh, Dr. Gottlieb, who's been spot on everything he said, gave you a pretty uh, a prediction that would coincide, and he's obviously not a stock guy, would coincide with the earnings you get from the bank. So I do think that you have to be concerned. One of the things that uh, I'm, I'm really focused on these days is what happens with future guidance? Hey, everyone can cancel guidance if they want to. And then I would feel better right now when someone says, look, I don't have guidance. They're always punished. Eventually, if everyone doesn't have guidance, then nobody will be punished. But I do think that the coinciding of, let's say, four or five weeks, unfortunately, in an ICU did in New York lead to death. So I know hospitalizations we talk about in Arizona. I know no one wants anyone to die. I also know that uh, what we saw in New York was uh, pretty placid until it wasn't. And I don't want uh, those earnings uh, to coincide, but they're, they're going to. And all I want to do, I kind of pray that everybody does get better and that we've learned a lot more. We know to turn people over. We know to give people certain drugs that we didn't. We just listened to Meg. I hope we have uh, hear from her again uh, about remdesivir. Uh, at the same time, the, the idea that we're going to take out the highs I think that that's still fanciful, except for a group of really incredible software and uh, uh, digitized companies of the likes of which Goldman Sachs raised the numbers for everything. And there I'm talking about the Shopify's. So there's good news in one part, which is the digitization, which Nike emphasized on on its call Thursday night. And the bad news is the banks. And I'm not going to I am not going to look through the banks because they never get looked through. These are not the oils. They're not the discretionaries. They're actual companies that people worry about and maybe make people say, oh, I see. No one's paying their rent. Mm. Boston Properties said they had good numbers on rent pay. I mean, good numbers on rent pay. I mean, everyone's supposed to pay their rent. I've got tenants uh, in places (laughs) they're not paying. They're not paying. They're like, hey, hey. Jim, your point. Your point is well taken in that the banks are a reflection of the real economy. It's a conversation we've had here for some time and one you, a point you've made many times of late, which is that the overall stock market doesn't necessarily seem to be reflective of the real economy. But to some extent, the banks or a large extent are. Uh, and it's, you know, if there are rollbacks and reopenings, that is going to take a toll. We still have an extraordinarily high unemployment rate, which we're hoping will come down, but it will come down at a less rapid rate if, in fact, these rollbacks continue and the virus continues to move at a fairly rapid rate, unfortunately, uh, in certain areas. Not to mention, of course, the concerns about the fall and whether it will come back in some way or even whether people will not be wearing masks enough so that, you know, it will simply spread uh, more so again because behavior gets lax. Well, look, I think that eventually you're going to have to if you want to look, if you want to make it so people wear masks, then you're going to have to have an enforcement policy. And we don't have an enforcement policy. But my daughter who lived in Madrid wanted to go to the supermarket. A policeman had to accompany her. I mean, that's serious business when you get something like that. You want, you, want to, you want to crush the curve? You do that. I just do not see that happening in these states. I do not see law enforcement or stores saying that masks are necessary. Uh, we had a very interesting upgrade from sell to buy for Southwest. I think the airlines that are saying that masks are necessary are getting people to go. Uh, because I think people feel better. But there are lots of people who feel that masks are a sign of weakness, including someone, I believe, who uh, is in the White House. 
And as long as the president feels that the masks aren't necessary, then I think that we can't ask the Texans to say, hey, you've got to start wearing them. Ignore the president. You can't do that. They won't let you. So I think that we're here to stay. I think that a lot of people are feeling that with the airlines moving up, it's still much better than you think. Ignore Texas. Ignore Florida. Ignore Arizona. And I don't know. I mean, maybe you can until you get to earnings. Yeah. Uh, Goldman does upgrade, double upgrade Southwest, as Jim says, but they cut their overall numbers as they see a less steep recovery in traffic uh, getting back to 2019 levels. Jim, you mentioned uh, the politicization of of masks. Uh, Pence did encourage people to wear one yesterday. And then Azar on Meet the Press yesterday talked about uh, what he called a window that is closing in terms of tools that we have to mitigate the crisis. Take a listen. We've got the tools to do this. We just did this in the last couple of weeks in North Carolina, but the window is closing. We have to act, and people as individuals have to act responsibly. We need to social distance. We need to wear our face coverings if we're in settings where we can't social distance, particularly in these hot zones. Well, Azar, then Jim went on GMA this morning, uh, talk about HHS buying 500,000 doses of remdesivir. Well, look, I I think that Gilead pricing... I just want to let you know about a really important announcement this morning that President Trump has secured half a million courses of treatment of remdesivir. And this through September, this is the drug that, if you're hospitalized, can reduce the length of your stay by a third. And we're working to make with our states to make sure it gets to the hospitals most in need. You know, you know, Carl, we had Sister Mom right, this so that's morning. That's what he said. And he was really terrific. Uh, and he was talking about different ways to get information. I get I read stat uh, and uh, my friend Adam Feuerstein works there, uh, who was the original person at the street. And the, the, this what's going on with remdesivir. I hope it's, uh, it, it changes. But it is so haphazard right now. Hospitals don't know if it's coming. Hospitals don't know if they're going to have it. I mean, maybe this is going to uh, change things to 500,000 vials. But I think, once again, the chaos that that this the chaos with with the way this is treated in this country is is so rem is it's so Brazilian it's so Mexican we're like you know we're just not uh, Swedish I don't find that what we're doing uh, gives me confidence I love Gilead as a company uh, I think it's terrific what they're doing but I just don't see uh, I see nothing but a haphazard way of how we treat this illness. And I think that Secretary Azar, when he says the window is closing, I don't know. No one's going to listen to him in the places that have decided that masks are silly. When you get uh, made fun of because you wear a mask, you, you stop wearing masks. And that's been what, what I've heard endlessly from those states. And I think that's a shame. Uh, but until you get sick, I think you feel that way. Or, you know, a friend who's gotten sick. So many of my friends have gotten sick. Friends of mine, uh, people I know have died. And I think it changes things. Uh, Yes, it does. And again, it's very much unclear the path this is going to take, but it doesn't seem to be on a good path, guys. Um, You know, real quickly before we move on, I know we're also going to get to Meg for some updates. I I just did want to come back to, to the markets. I was not here on Friday. Um, But, guys, this Fed buying of corporate bonds has caught a lot of people's attention. And I guess, Jim, for lack of uh, anybody else to ask, does the Fed really need to be buying bonds of, well, Comcast, our parent company, Amazon, Berkshire Hathaway, uh, AT&T, Walmart? 
Uh, I have not noted uh, any sort of shortage of potential buyers and or credit spreads at some level for these companies in particular that makes it difficult for them to borrow. Well, haven't they outsourced it to BlackRock? Um, and these were the bonds they bought. Hey, I, I was think, trying to think, you know, I'm like Jimmy Chill now, but it seems like a very ill-advised status uh, of what they're buying. It, it makes no sense whatsoever. I'm sure there's someone who could defend it, but that person's not going to come on air. That is not the stuff. They're, look, they're not buying Chesapeake bonds, which, by the way, is a complete disaster, but it's only a disaster really for yeah. the midstream. That's who they owe money to, all these midstream MLPs, which have been a disaster anyway. But I, I just think that what the Fed's been buying or the agents of the Fed buying is more like being able to tell a desk, hey, listen, we're going to buy Walmart bonds, but if you, know, if you really stop, if you start uh, trading stuff that is awful, let us know. We'll buy that too. But yeah, I, I thought it was just silly, and someone has to answer uh, for their I thought it was supposed to be fallen angels, Carl. Yeah, That's what they were originally, at least I thought. <laughs> you know, those that were investment grade that were falling and conceivably given the size of the of the high yield market would be unable to necessarily buy those. And therefore, the Fed was coming right. in to sort of prop them up. No, that doesn't they, seem if, to be what happened. It was supposed to be insurance. If they hadn't, if they were uh, being hurt because of the pandemic, that's what I thought they were supposed to buy. So look, someone knows an answer to this. And that person should come on yeah. and say, hey, listen, here's why I bought Walmart. I invite that person on right now. (laughs) Well, we'll see if the House asks that when uh, Powell appears there tomorrow, guys. Two big stories we've not yet gotten to. One, obviously, is Facebook over the weekend as more high-profile advertisers at least take a pause on social media spending. And then there's Boeing with uh, some 737 MAX uh, recertification flights that will happen today. We'll talk to Phil LeBeau and Meg Terrell on the surge in the south and remdesivir pricing when we come back. Let's get straight to the point. You want to grow your portfolio to fight rising costs of inflation or pay off your debt or anything standing in the way of you and financial freedom, right? Yahoo Finance, our sponsor today, can help. For more than 25 years, Yahoo Finance has been helping great investors like you. Whether you're a seasoned investor or just looking for tips, Yahoo Finance makes it super easy by putting all the tools and data you need in one spot. Yahoo Finance takes a holistic look at the financial news cycle, including breaking news, original editorial perspectives, analyst ratings, independent research, customizable charts, and more. You can securely link your brokerage accounts for a unified view of your wealth, including 401k and other investments. That's how Yahoo Finance gives you insights and helps you take a look at your wealth in its entirety. That big picture perspective is what great investors need. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor. YahooFinance.com, the number one financial destination. YahooFinance.com. That's YahooFinance.com. Starbucks and Coke announcing pauses in their social media buys of the latest actions against companies like Facebook and Twitter. Similar actions, of course, over the last couple of days from Diageo, from Hershey, Jim, uh, you name it, uh, Coke, Pepsi, Unilever. I mean, we're not we're no longer just talking about Ben and Jerry's. No, uh, my candidly, my my. Uh Travel Trust has owned this stock for years, and we're doing some selling. Why? Well, because even though J.P. Morgan says that earnings are not at risk, uh, when you're not one of those companies and you advertise on them, you're going to get on the case. Those companies represent uh, more than just uh, what I regard as being left-wing companies. And I think that uh, Twitter even more at risk for the numbers. David, I've got to tell you that corporate America has changed. Um, Corporate America is trying to get ahead of what the social issues are in this country that matter. Uh, I think it's rather amazing. My personal convictions don't mean much on this, other than the fact that I am stunned 
that the companies that I never thought had a, uh, let's say, a, uh, 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 cared that much are, are lining yes. up against these guys. And, and look, of course, I'm, you, look, you, you, is, is, is Ben and Jerry's going to do it? Of course. But Patagonia, yeah. But geez, these other guys, Verizon, Honda, Hershey, David, these are like mainstream companies that never really expressed much interest about these things. It's true. And we should point out some have paused all of their social media buying. It's not just Facebook. But your point is well taken, Jim. And I think this certainly deserves a good deal of attention and focus from here, because is this a new era where corporations, as you say, either are trying to get ahead of their customers or are simply responding more forcibly to what they believe are the desires of their customers uh, and what their what the behavior they, those customers want to see the corporation take. It's very interesting, important, taken in the context overall as well of the changes we've talked about to some extent in terms of the responsibility of corporations. The business roundtable statement from early this year, uh, it is also worth uh, watching closely. Not to mention, of course, the impact it's having on some of the, uh, some of the social media companies led, of course, by Facebook. Yeah, look, I, I think that we have to recognize that the trade people are talking about is, okay, where's the money going? Uh, is it going to go to Snap? Is it going to go to Alphabet, which, remember, at one time had its own issues? Uh, is it going to go back to Facebook after this thing dies down? Because, Or does it not matter because there are 8 million advertisers uh, on Facebook? But what I would point out is this is a new social ESG uh, change, David. It really is, as you mentioned. And what I think when you get a, when you get a, a Verizon or a Starbucks saying, you know what, we're reviewing these things, that's something that Mark Zuckerberg has to sit down with these people and say, what do you want? What do you want? Because we'll give it to you. You can't just ignore these advertisers and act as if nothing's changed. Things have changed big in this country. It's changed really fast, much faster than any of us. Maybe not. Look, my my 28 year old says it's not. It's changing way too slowly. Me, it's like it's like lightning. Yeah, I mean, Everson did say we don't make policy changes based on revenue pressure uh, last week. We'll see if. Just how firm that stance is when it comes to some of these large spenders. When we come back, guys, Grammy Award winning musician Pharrell Williams. He'll tell us about the pledge that he wants CEOs and companies to make. Uh, We're going to take a quick break here. We're back in just a moment. For more than a decade, Comcast has been committed to bridging the digital divide and connecting millions to affordable high-speed Internet. But the barriers to get connected go well beyond affordability. Through Project Up, Comcast is committing $1 billion to reach millions with digital skills training, resources, and opportunities needed to succeed in a digital world. Project Up, building a future of unlimited possibilities. Learn more at Comcast.com slash Project Up. The spirit of performance defines Acura, and now it's electric. Introducing the all-electric ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. While what powers their cars may change, the energy that makes Acura never will. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system and up to 313-mile range on a single charge and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is everything they said electric could never be. It was built with the driver in mind, just like Acura has been doing since the beginning. We could talk all day, but the only way to experience this electric performance is to drive it yourself. 
Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Twelve U.S. states have now halted or rolled back some of their reopening as we see this surge in states like Georgia, Nevada, Texas and Florida. Let's get to Meg Terrell, talk about that and the remdesivir pricing we got today out of Gilead. Hey, Meg. Hey, Carl. Well, these numbers in the U.S. and daily new cases of the coronavirus continuing to be at or around record levels each day. More than 40,000 new cases reported yesterday across the country from states, down from 44,000 on Saturday, but uh, clearly reaching these new peaks. And Chris Meekins over at Raymond James estimating we will see one day of at least 50,000 new cases uh, hit this week in the U.S. The positive rate of tests also increasing now to 7.6%. These data from Evercore ISI. Now, they also track by the metro area, the fastest growing areas in the country by case count. Three places in Florida now taking the country's top spots in terms of the fastest growing cases. Uh, Orlando seeing case doubling times at eight days now. Tampa, the same. Jacksonville, uh, also in Texas, San Antonio, and Phoenix as well. Uh, The Northeast continues to see the largest slowdown. And we are seeing areas of the country now pausing their reopenings or even reversing. California over the weekend joining Texas and Florida in shutting down bars in several counties and recommending several more take the same actions. Uh, The yellow there are the states that have just paused their reopening plans for now. Meanwhile, of course, we did get that highly anticipated news on the price of remdesivir this morning from Gilead. Uh, More than $3,000 in the United States for a course of treatment for commercial insurers. It will be less for government insurers around the world and in the United States. So commercial insurers paying about 30% more. We talked uh, with Gilead CEO about how they set the price this morning. Here's what he said. We priced it at the value, excuse me, at the at the uh, at the price that allows for access across the developed world. Uh, and what we've done is we have one price for all governments across the development world based upon the lowest purchasing power of the developed world countries, and we provided that price to all governments around the world. And that's important. I think it's our responsibility, and we feel it's the right thing to do. So guys, even though the Gilead price coming in below what some see as the value it creates in terms of cutting down on hospitalization times, you are seeing Gilead stock there up 2.7% as Wall Street thinks that they outlined a good rationale for this and see uh, a lot of volume coming from this drug. Carl? All right, Meg, uh, we'll see. Gilead up almost 3% this morning. We'll talk to you in a little while, our Meg Terrell. Take a quick break here. Plenty of news we've not yet gotten to, including a couple of double uh, upgrades and downgrades. Double uh, downgrade of Beyond Meat out of Barclays. And as Jim said, double upgrade of Love from Goldman, which has news of its own. We're back in a moment. Welcome back. Getting ready for an opening bell. About, well, you see it two and a half minutes from now. Let's squeeze in a mad dash. Brinker, Jim, is the name. People like chicken. The reason why I mentioned Brinker, even though it's not that big, is they've done a chicken delivery service that is uh, going crazy. And people love it. Uh, a thousand different doors, and it's going to be separate brand. It's going to move the stock up. Like Wingstop, by the way, which has positive comps, one of the few since the, the uh, pandemic started. And by the way, 20% growth on Popeyes. I happen to have uh, restaurant brands on tonight. By the way, just came out, just news. Uh, Burger King has had flat comps. So there are, there's, David, people, 
Chipotle just started this delivery with Grubhub. This takeout and uh, delivery is working to save some restaurants. Obviously, it would be better if uh, the Fed were buying restaurant bonds and buying REIT bonds. Uh, and I know that, by the way, are buying some GE bonds and, and Boeing bonds. Uh, people are complaining to me that they're supposed to buy only the top bonds. But I come back and say, will you give me a break? Uh, you know, <laughs> don't, don't be obtuse like the warden from Shawshank, please. I, I do like this chicken theory. Because Popeye's with 20% right. growth and uh, Breaker's starting a new thing in Wingstop. Wow. People love Wings. There you go. That's the uh, big, That's what I hear. That's, that's big, what I hear. Big takeaway. Okay. Thank you for that. Quite great welcome. insight. Uh, we're, always, we're always listening closely for those kinds of nuggets. That we were really talking are, about Vaxart. We were talking about Fastly. <laughs> Fastly, yeah. Um, I did, by the way, Carl, I did miss, I think I said Amazon earlier amongst the purchases that uh, from the Fed, I don't believe they were included. Apple, yes, of course, because you have to help Apple. After all, its cost of capital is so high yeah. that really they do need some Fed help there. Yeah, that's smart. Yeah. Well, again, there's someone who's do this, doing this buying who never thought that we would ever talk about them. And they're going to go home tonight to their spouse and say, I recall <laughs> idiots and bozos on TV. But you know what? Nobody knows us. We're fine. <laughs> well, David, um, I mean, you're, you're right about the big names, AT&T, Walmart, UNH. I mean, there is some school of thought that because they said they would do it, now they have to. Sort of market conditions right. notwithstanding. Right. But again, we'll, we'll look for more clarity tomorrow at uh, House Financial Services. There is the uh, opening bell, guys. And um, we'll see about, I guess, Jim, levels. You know, Cashin's talking about uh, Dow 50 Day, which has managed to, to provide some support. Well, Although he is looking for an early test this morning. Well, I, I, look, he's been spot on. And it's always great to hear from him. I, I do think that people want to buy. Uh, they wanted they a lot of the people who got twelve hundred dollars and got the six hundred dollar uh, extra unemployment. They're very much in the market now. They're not in the highest quality stocks that we can tell. Uh, but there are a lot of people who are investing who've never invested before. And they could be in a lot of it could be in index funds. They come in, in the old days uh, money over the transom. I always say, please wait a little. I mean, there are people who bought at the bottom on Friday and they're going to scalp and sell to you. So uh, wait a little or, or just say, hey, listen, you know, another chance will come. Uh, we've got some days coming up right before July 4th that are all 85 percent up. So I don't blame anyone from trying. We have end of the month buying, too. Uh, but, you know, it's OK. You don't have to chase here. We are going to get some help, Jim, from Boeing, which uh, is the best performing Dow component. Of course, it's been down seven out of eight sessions, uh, down 14 percent in that time. So it's, it's uh, put that all in perspective. Yeah, but I mean, look, I, I'm candid. I, I feel that that the 737 is going to be the most tested plane in history. Uh, and yet they still said it's going to be uh, Phil was saying it could be a long time before we're actually in it uh, before the pandemic I, and before the change in, uh, in CEO at Boeing, I said I was willing to take a film crew and be the first people on. And, and um, you know, my wife um, really uh, quite candidly said I'm the biggest moron in history. But I still I think it's safe by now. I don't know. I mean, as long as people wear masks. So maybe not, David. What do you think of it? I, 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 listen, I think people need to wear masks. Uh, I, I, I spent a good amount of time this weekend uh, observing a lot of younger people. Uh, they don't seem to want to wear masks and they don't seem to physically distance. And uh, I worry about that 
frankly, uh, because when New York reopens bars and people go inside, I don't know, or restaurants, I just, it's, it's concerning, Jim. Oh, uh, it won't take so much right. to light a spark if that, you know, with that dry kindling sitting there. Oh, yeah, people, people just feel like what they should be. Look, I think outside is obviously better, uh, but nothing stops yes. the Grim Reaper in the end. Look, you can do the no. mass. Well, but it, Elon it Musk, is better. by the way, they can't. Look, uh, they, Elon they Musk weighed up. in on Elon. Ooh, what's he saying? On the debate earlier, early overnight, um, replied to GeekWire. There are a ridiculous number, he says, of, po- of false positive tests. In some cases, close to 50 percent false positive scale linearly with the number of tests. That's a big part of why positive tests are going up while hospitalizations and mortality are declining. He says anyone who does test positive should retest. Yeah, he, he's Is been really very uh, a lot of people feel he's been very weak on the safety side of things. On do this. we know, Carl, do we have any idea what he's basing that um, statement on? Is, <laughs> David, no. No, I, okay. I, uh, I believe me when I walked in this morning, I thought it was going to be more about 10 years uh, of Tesla as a public company. And he turned 49 yesterday, I think. Happy birthday. I thought it could be about the fact that it's going to go to a yeah. thousand. I mean, the stock has been just a complete horse here. Uh, but again, I mean, I think people know within the industry that he's not been the at the vanguard of this of this issue of trying to uh, of worrying so much about about people. It, it, not much different from the president, frankly, on this issue. Again, look, I, I just think if we all wore masks outside or in stores, we'd all be better off. And but there's just a tremendous uh, it, it's politicized, like you said, Carl. And I don't know how you depoliticize it. Yeah. Um, guys, something I've been hitting on a number of times over the last month or two is, of course, this incredible growth in SPACs, special purpose mm. acquisition corporations. Everybody wants to do one. Oh, I'll do a SPAC. I mean, mm-hmm. and anybody, you know, the investment banks are happy to underwrite the SPACs for you. Uh, Goldman Sachs, for example, unveiling one this morning, $700 million or uh, that they're going to be raising in a SPAC. Special Purpose Acquisition Corp. What are the use of proceeds for? To complete a business combination with an operating company. And City is uh, and Goldman are the underwriters there. City does a lot of these, by the way. Happy to take the fees, as you might imagine. Then we're seeing when the SPACs actually do a deal. Um, of course, Nicola is one of the uh, names that we can all remember. DraftKings, another one where they have gone up as a result of the purchase and the investors being quite happy with that purchase. This morning, I mentioned it because I would refer you to LCA. That's Landcadia Holdings. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's Tillman Fertitta, Tillman Fertitta, who we know well, and Lucadia uh, together. Um, and they've announced a deal under oh, which they're geez. going to buy. So they did this a while ago, right? In May, they actually did this back, raised the money. Now they're doing the deal. And there it is, up 38%. Why? Well, they're buying Golden Nugget Online Gaming. It's a U.S. online real money casino that's owned by Fertitta. And Jim, you've seen what happens with DraftKings. So they're, of course, saying, listen, DraftKings is trading at about 15 times estimated 21 revenues. The multiple here, about six times estimated 21 revenues. They did about $122 million in revenues so far uh, last year or this for this year. DraftKings at $723 million with an $11 billion market value. So they're basically saying we're getting this thing at a valuation that is far below DraftKings. It's a business that Fertitta started, I think, in 2014 or so. It has grown enormously, particularly now, given the absence, as we all know as well, 
of uh, the ability to actually attend uh, a, 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 a sporting game. Uh, people uh, or bet people are doing a lot of other things online. Jim, there it is. Now it's up 48 percent. Well, I mean, these are signs of the times. This ha- is happening. Uh, one of the reasons why I've liked Penn National Gaming is because they have this and it's only valued at four billion. Uh, I, I don't know. He, so he buys his own. To explain this to me, David, he, he owned the Golden Nugget. And yeah. He bought the Golden Nugget. But I'm, he owns Golden Nugget, started Golden Nugget Online Gaming, okay. now has this SPAC, which he and uh, uh, is with Lucadia. And now, of course, you, it's a blank check company they started. Right. Now they're buying this from him, even though he'll still end up still owning it. Most of it, right? So it's $474 so, million. What does uh, it take? It goes to a billion today? What does it do? I mean, what, in this market, what does it do? I, I know. The, the, uh, I know. the guys in uh, the So Fertitta will still hold a controlling economic interest and a controlling voting interest in the combined company. But, of course, like all these SPACs, the, the holders need to vote on it to, uh, to allow it to happen. That almost always is the case, even when they're told not to, as is the case with that global blue, remember, that was right. going to get bought uh, from Silver Lake. And boy, that's going to get nasty in terms of the, uh, the lawsuits that are piling up there. But that's a separate SPAC issue. But uh, it just keeps going. And what does again, it say Goldman to today trying what to raise 700 million bucks for a SPAC for them. You have it to says the level of speculation is quite high. Right. And that's, that's what right. I think it people just says, have to worry you know, about. Yeah. Look, I mean, yeah. there's, a, there's one that has a really funny name, the tortoise. And it's got the symbol sh- uh, shell. I mean, don't you think the millennials mm-hmm. just like or whatever the Gen X is like, hey, this is cool, shell. <laughs> There's one called like VXTO. I mean, I mean, I'm looking at these. Now, there are people who defend these stocks as if they know the companies, as if they've looked at the board of directors and watched the last five quarters and have been on the conference calls. I mean, it, they'll defend them. It doesn't matter. They will defend them to the to their death. I think they should just admit, listen, I'm just having a good time here. You know, pick the, you know, the Scrabble stuff. Like when Portnoy um, picked the picked the, name, uh, the symbols from Scrabble. At least do that. At least admit that it's a big game. Don't pretend to know the companies. Don't embarrass yourself. True. Please. Um, Spacks. Right. Tortoise. Well, another, yeah. an- <laughs> uh, another thing that we've turtles. talked about as a as a... <laughs> As a reflection of a level of speculation in this market has been bankrupt companies that are still trading at some equity value. We talked a lot about Hertz, of course. The plan there, remember, was to start selling stock to potentially raise enough money to actually improve their balance sheet to such an extent that maybe they'd be able to come out. Um, That didn't happen after the SEC raised, uh, well, more disclosure questions. Although, by the way, even though Hertz pulled it, it doesn't mean it's entirely off the table. Because they could come back at some point and say, well, now we've passed disclosure with the SEC and they still want to do it. Uh, another one is Chesapeake, Jim, which you followed closely. Oh, of course, yeah. you knew Aubrey McClendon, the man who started it uh, very well. Spent, you spent a lot of time with him. Natural oh, yeah. gas being the focus there. One of the pioneers. But Mr. McClendon also did have a tendency to spend a lot of money on things that had nothing to do with natural gas, as you well know. And some of that is coming up now. I think the company is going to cite that as one of the reasons why they just were unable to sort of get out from underneath the enormous debt pile uh, that they had. They are talking about a restructuring support agreement that eliminates seven billion in debt. They've gotten their debtor in possession financing already set. Uh, And, you know, they're talking about a reorganization. They point out, by the way, that when the new CEO took over, 
this company had more debt than Exxon and Chevron. Mm. Um, and here's a couple of things that I'm hearing from people close to the situation that Mr. Uh, McClendon, that they sort of had a, a kind of deal with. Uh, no budgets. Um, I'm also told one of the first bills that came across Lawler's desk was $110 million for two parking garages that Aubrey McClendon had uh, actually uh, uh, commissioned. Uh, there was a magnificent wine cave yeah. that they oh, found. Oh, wine. You introduced um, me to Colgin. Yeah. And it, by the way, it took I thought it weeks was like to find it. It was hidden behind a broom closet, oh. apparently, on campus. They were the largest NBA season ticket holder with the Thunder, the biggest user of NetJest in the U.S., <laughs> and on and on. So, uh, you know, it wasn't just the decline in natural gas prices, which have stayed, as we know, stubbornly low for a long period of time. It wasn't so many other things. Uh, well, it was, but it was in addition to, Jim, lavish spending at the company that took them quite some time to work through. Well, I, w- I was close with Aubrey. I went to see him drill in Ohio, uh, and he said, Jim... There is so much, so much oil in Ohio. It's just come, just come to where we're drilling. Just come to where we're drilling. And I get there, and it's not oil. It's natural gas. I said, well, "Where's the oil?" He goes, well, "It turns out that there's no oil." And I'm like, you know, "Aubrey, I'm out here to see oil wells." He goes, "Well, no, no, natural gas. Natural gas is the future." Well, natural gas, it, it, the price crashed, and I think that Doug Lord, yes, they absolutely had. Uh, there's some plus. Uh, there's some things that. Aubrey, obviously, you documented them. Uh, and Aubrey also was uh, facing uh, 10 years in prison on violating the Sherman Antitrust Act. He's not convicted, but that's a 10, year, uh, 10 years no matter what. So there were definitely issues. But uh, in the end, I think what felled them was they were too much natural gas. And natural gas collapsed, and they had too much debt. Now, Cabot has a lot of natural gas, they don't have, but they have a good balance sheet. Uh, watch out. Chesapeake's dead. Uh, Chesapeake owes a lot of midstream MOPs money. Uh, that's where they'll be, that's where they'll be hurt. Uh, that's who's going to get hurt. But Chesapeake was an outlier, and if you were um, anyone who followed this for a long time, would know that this thing uh, was it, it had basically had it. Now, I guess because it's in bankruptcy, it's going to be bought by the Robinhood people. Is that what happens? That's <laughs> yes. like the clarion That's kind of why I was discussing it in, uh, along with Hertz. Yeah, we'll we'll see. Right. Meanwhile, and, I, and I listen. Uh, I love the idea of a hidden wine. Right from your yeah, um, but hidden wine cellars—that—that's. I mean, I keep looking here. Maybe who knows? You never know, Carl. You can always get lucky. Somehow you'll find one behind a broom closet, filled with really good wine. <laughs> it's always a dream. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Aubrey introduced people to a lot of things. I mean, Aubrey was different. I gotta tell you, he was a character. He was a character. Oh, yeah. I rode on a natural gas motorcycle. He told me that's gonna be the future. And he had the only one. There was never another one made that I could do. Yeah, I mean, to, to be in that business, Jim, you got to have uh, a lot of risk tolerance, uh, which he certainly did. Uh, we've obviously tried to hang on to 3K here on the S&P. Dow's being aided by Boeing. Let's get to Rick Santelli this morning. Hey, Rick. Good morning, Carl. There's a bit of a drift to the long end with respect to yields as they're a bit lower. But let's put things in perspective. Let's look at a month-to-date chart of 10-year notes. Notice the left side. Last day of last month, we were at 65. Right now, we're around 64, virtually unchanged on a month. And what a month it was. Look at the range that we had 
Over 90 base points couldn't hold at the last employment report, which, of course, is approaching on the next one, a key variable. But quickly, if you look at two years, last quarter at 16, right now they're at 16. Three years, last, quarter, uh, last month at 19, they're currently at 18. So you can see unchanged till you get to about 30-year bond, where it's about four basis points lower. And it doesn't stop there. Look at a two-day of fives. Fives was the only maturity Friday where it was guns hot, where it actually made a new all-time low yield close. And we're only talking fractionally from about 30 and a half basis points, like 30 and a quarter basis points. And right now it's hovering right around 29 basis points. Month to date in Boons. Boons were at minus 45 at the last trading day of May. They're pretty much right there now as well unchanged. And I will tell you, whether you look at Hertz or many of these charts, Many of them look exactly the same, almost identical uh, in terms of month-to-day charts. Left and right side and balance, all the volatility was in the first week and a half of the month, and everything settled down to some extent. Finally, if we look at what's going on with the dollar index, we could see that is one of the markets that isn't unchanged on the month. It's about a penny lower or so, as you see on the month-to-date. And in terms of equities, well, if my memory served me correct, 25,383 was where the Dow was in the last trading day of last month. So about 270 points lower. So we could see that for all the market moves, all the uncertainty, whether it's coronavirus or some of the unrest throughout the country, it definitely affected markets. But on a month to month basis, it certainly seems to be very close to unchanged. Carl, Jim, David, back to you. All right, Rick, we'll see you in a little while. Uh, Rick Santelli. Uh, so Dow's up 100, S&P 3,003, uh, below that 200-day, 50 days at 29.82. We're back in a minute. Recertification test flights for the 737 MAX. Let's get to Phil bow on Boeing today. Hey, Phil. Hey, Carl, take a look at shares of Boeing moving higher on word that we will have the first of the recertification flights happening a little bit later on today. I'd say it's going to be late morning Pacific time. So you're looking at early afternoon Eastern time. There are going to be recertification flights today, tomorrow, and then possibly on Wednesday as well. And the question has come up, what happens during one of these flights? Is this just another test flight? No, it's not just another test flight. Think of this as kind of one of the final exams that the 737 MAX has to clear. It is an FAA test pilot who is at the controls. Now, there's also a Boeing test pilot who is the co-pilot, and there are others on the plane. But it's a very tightly scripted test flight. In other words, they're not up there and saying, well, let's see what it does here. They know exactly what they're doing, the parameters that they're testing, and the whole focus here, validating the changes in the flight control MCAS system so that the plane uh, can safely operate in the future. Keep in mind that the 737 MAX has been grounded for 473 days, and we're taking a look at shares going all the way back. Well, hopefully we're going to show you going all the way back to March 13th of 19 uh, 2019 that's when the plane was grounded remember guys they are hoping that this will be ungrounded by the end of the summer and then we could see commercial flights resume sometime late this year that's the possibility meanwhile phil we had you on friday talking about america no longer capping seating capacity and then over the weekend yep. uh, these reports about delta trying to encourage pilots either to accept early retirement or perhaps prepare for a furlough well, you'll see this not only with Delta, but you'll see this with every airline. They're sending out the warn notices. These will go out to the pilots, flight attendants, the machinists, all of the major unions when they have mass layoffs. And it's not just in the airline industry, any business. When you're going to have mass layoffs, you've got to notify people 60 days no, in advance. Good. 
Well, guess what? We're 90 days away from the end of September when that's when the payroll guarantees end. So they're going to have to start notifying these uh, workers that, hey, there's a good chance that your job will be eliminated come October 1st. All right, we'll watch all of that uh, Southwest leading today on that Goldman upgrade. Uh, Phil, thanks. Uh, Phil LeBeau, Boeing's adding about 60 points to the Dow. And NASDAQ's on track for a second day in a row lower. Hasn't done that since May 12 or 13. Back in a minute. Still to come, multiple Grammy Award winning artist and producer Pharrell Williams on the pledge that he is asking CEOs and companies to make. Meantime, Nasdaq's down about a percent. A lot of the stay-at-home names getting hit today, including DocuSign, Zoom, NVIDIA, Netflix, Adobe, and so forth. We're back in just a moment. It's time for Jim and Stop Trading. You mentioned Southwest uh, buy to uh, sell to buy at Goldman. Well, we've got a buy to sell beyond meat at Barclays, and they're saying that it's food service. Now, uh, my sources indicate, by the way, that the McDonald's, it's, McDonald's, it's not over with Beyond Meat. But what does matter is there is a substantial food service business and they're trying. Ethan Brown came on Mad Money and said, look, we're cutting prices in order to be able to take business away from uh, traditional meat companies. So uh, is it time to take profits? Well, I think that they're taking a long term view that they're here to stay and they want to show people that the price is cheaper than than beef. Uh, But it's up a great deal. uh, And it's not one of those companies that uh, is being run, so to speak, on Robinhood. And it's also not one of those software companies that Goldman recommended today that are all getting rolled over. Uh, but it is one that has been a bellwether in this market. Yeah, uh, down 20 percent in five days. And and you're right. The uh, the news out of McDonald's, Jim, was a little confusing. McDonald's yes. later came back and said relationship hasn't changed despite what happened in Canada. Exactly. I think that's important. Now, I have uh, restaurant brands on tonight uh, and they've had a very good relationship with Impossible. I had Impossible last week. They use GMOs, but it, it, it's very tasty I and mean, not. I don't know if that matters these days. And then Honeywell, which has been a company that's been hurt by Boeing, uh, but is changing its stripes really rather dramatically into a software company. And Darius Damchek is reinventing a company that, uh, that Dave Cody had already reinvented. Dave's going to be on tomorrow talking about his new book, uh, which is very, very exciting. Win now, win later. And uh, this is a big week, guys. I, awesome. I think the market has to hold. God is. Yeah, it's, uh, it's going to be tricky uh, with, with a lot of news. And then some pretty decent forecasts, Jim, for the jobs number, which, as we said earlier, will get on Thursday rather than Friday because of the shortened week. Well, I think, look, and then it's just going to get better again when the $600 is taken away. There's more people be looking for work. So I think these numbers are, are going to be good. The last time the market spike was unemployment. And remember, the day before uh, July 4th is maybe seasonally the single best day of the year for the market. Hey, Jim, when when Cody comes on, you make sure to ask him about his SPAC, too. Remember, they did a deal, of course. Uh, I think it's gone fairly well. They bought a real company. Yeah. Yeah. uh, An industrial company. But you're absolutely right, David. I think I have to do that. Uh, David, is uh, Shell still doing well? Is the turtle doing well? I have no idea. Is that one of the names? Fastly doing well? I I don't know. I don't know. I assume so. You're too busy following. I'm you're too busy following companies like Walmart and ATT and Comcast. <laughs> David, you got to get with the game. Walmart. David, if it has, well, yeah, we got to, you know, these, yeah. yeah, these, these, these struggling companies that need help with their, uh, with their uh, play, ability to sell bonds. I guess. Right? Yeah. yeah, I mean, well, actually, you know, they did yeah. buy some good bonds, but I really think, David, that it, it, it may be time to buy. Uh, I don't know. How about um, German wire wire companies that are missing two billion? 
Yeah, how about that one? No, don't don't do that. That thing's flying, Interesting man. Take out on wire card, David. Wire it's card. A, it's it, it's the next thing. It's like Wobbistics. Remember Wobbistics? <laughs> Yeah, I do. Remember the guy got killed in Boone because he was he didn't push Wobbistics yeah. high enough. That's a reference to the Sopranos, not real life. Or is that real life now? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, all I need now is a, is a pie oh my uh, reference, Jim. Uh, we'll see you tonight. Uh, right. Mad Money, 6 p.m., of course. Uh, uh, Jim Cramer uh, joining us, of course, as always. You've been listening to the opening bell on CNBC's Squawk on the Street. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager.